Hello and welcome to the No Holds Barred Witchcraft Podcast, sponsored by ThoughWitchcraft.com. So, the magical community and people that go around and call themselves witches, pagans, druids, new agers, healers, priestesses, high priestesses, high priests, all of that stuff. Um, from a professional witch's perspective, you know, because we interact with a lot of these people... <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts, you know, based on the fact that we have been not only working with these people, but also bumping into these people? Um, Chris, what are your thoughts in the magical community? What stage is that at? Are you proud? Does it make you proud? That is such a loaded <laughs> question. Um, yeah, well, it's one of those, isn't it? It's you can't. When something like this is getting as widespread as it is, you know, hence why all those, uh, who was that we were listening to the other week? Oh, I don't know. What oh, was that? What was was that name? a podcast? Or was Doreen that... Virtue, was it? Oh, was that the one that converted from um, the New Age to Christianity? Yeah, that's the one. Um, that and one. obviously, right, okay. Yeah, so if you already are part of our Facebook group, No Holds Barred, then you probably already saw the start of that rant. Um but essentially, <laughs> it's one of those things where, you know, it had to, it had to be said. Um, but yeah, I suppose what I'm trying to say is it really depends on where you're looking at. With it becoming such a wide, a widespread thing, every, you know, witchcraft is slowly becoming that thing that people can talk about. Whether or not they actually understand it is a different matter, but... Obviously, it's one of those things that I can now actually talk about um, in much more open forums than, you know, in other witches' lifetimes before us. Um, and actually kind of, you know, I suppose you've got to look at the last kind of 100 years and kind of see things, you know, the New Age movement, etc., etc., to kind of see Is where that we're where going. it went wrong, do you think? So the 20th century, is that where you're saying it all went wrong? Well, I'm not exactly saying it's gone wrong. Let's just say it's been diluted. I see. Um, it's a case of, you know... Well, I suppose, um, yeah, when you, when you think about it, I guess you could say that, you know, okay, everyone practised magic or some form of magic back in the day, you know, going back thousands of years ago. And during times when that sort of thing wasn't looked upon particularly great in Europe, the things that were going on underground was the core. That was the real stuff. But nowadays, you know, you have people practicing, but they're not practicing to the same higher standard or with the same amount of knowledge as people would have had back then. So you could say the plebs that are practicing nowadays weren't as to a high standard as the plebs that were practicing back then. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And I just kind of think, like I say, with movements like the New Age movement and Wicca, where they're trying to essentially rediscover something old, um, practices that aren't practiced anymore, rather than what I think they're trying to capture with something like traditional witchcraft, in inverted commas, um, where they've actually got some kind of practice that has been handed to them. Um, I think, whereas Wicca, I'm going to get myself in trouble again. 
Uh, whereas Wicca being something that, yes, there are traditional lineage lines, but it's what it's trying to practice is a representation of an older practice. Mm. And therefore, um, because they are out of the wrong time zone, if that makes sense, it's not current, means that they take, yeah, like you said, about the pleb, you know, it's a different level of pleb because their starting point isn't at the same point as where some of these New Ages, Wiccans, etc., etc., modern witches, for lack of a better word, are. Yeah, I think I think the real, if you get to the nitty gritty of it, from my perspective, I would say that a lot of modern practice nowadays is um, is a hobby and a fun. Whereas back then, it was 100% necessary. You needed to do this spell. You needed to understand this healing. You, if you get sick, you need the local cunning folk or you need these folk and rem remedies and stuff that have been handed down to you. Whereas nowadays, you just go, if you're in the UK, you just go to the NHS and you've got things taken care of. I mean, certainly when you look at cunning folk practices, they start to change and there are less and less cunning folk from the 20th century onwards when you get public services and people can see doctors and there's the police and stuff like that. But what saving graces do modern practitioners really have? Are there any? <laughs> well, again, you and the loaded questions today. But then I guess it is no holds barred. Yeah. Um, yeah, I suppose, I suppose those that are actually trying, and we do meet a lot of them, bearing in mind we have, we do have the luxury of meeting some wonderful clients. Um, I just, yeah, I think the industry is what I have a problem with. Not necessarily the practitioners, but I think the industry is the one that's gone a bit skewish. Um, they're the, you know, the sorts of people that have allowed sensationalization of, uh, <laughs> crystals and things like that that are so readily available have a kind of allowed us to kind of consume magic as a consumable and I think that is I think that's probably where it's gone wrong if that makes sense it's nice to have access to all these things but I think it's too much taken for granted like if you were going to go searching for a bit of quartz um, even in the medieval period we're not even going far, that far back um, you were going to spend a very long time trying to find that or have traded something rather precious to you in order to obtain it. And I suppose quick magic comes from easily obtained magic rather than the sorts of um, power play, shall we say, that we tend to work with and practitioners that we find are no holds barred. Well, again, you've got the, there are serious practitioners around. It's just that they're not generally in the forefront. They're not out in public. Most of the most serious people we've met are not the professionals. They're the people that are doing their magic behind the scenes. And the problem is when we think of professions because of the way we view things these days, you think of professions such as doctor, lawyer, you know, people that have really studied and really mastered their their craft or their profession. Whereas when you apply professional to magical community or that sort of thing, then there is no standard, there is no school that you qualify from. 
So you'll get some of the worst people in the industry and in the magical community that are technically, they are professionals, they charge money, they, they get some sort of reputation, albeit some of them not particularly great. But from the mundane person's perspective, it's difficult to tell that because if you don't know anything, you know, <laughs> where do you go? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, and I suppose I just, I suppose, like you say, people ob observe it as a hobby. I think that probably was the best word you could have used for it. Um, whereas somebody wants to go and see a psychic or a, um, a tarot reader and they want to see them for a bit of fun where they, even if they do believe, they consider it as something, um, you know, I know you're supposed to say for entertainment purposes only, but you know what I mean, like, um, rather than kind of going, actually, this is a cool craft in itself, um, I want to learn it, or I want to go and experience this because I know that person's really good. Um, you know, I just, from an age where you would travel half the world to go and see an oracle at Delphi, compared to going on a Facebook chat room in order to find a psychic that charges 10 pence a minute. You know what I mean? Like, do you, yeah, do you get I get where I'm trying to go with that. I think really when you look at it, that the West in general is very, very different to the rest of the world. And the West is very different from magical perspective and magic folk, I suppose, from what it is now to what it used to be. So in other places in the world, you see it a lot more, it's a lot more similar to how things used to be here. So when you have, you know, tribal culture, whether it would be tribes, Africa, that sort of thing, and you've got the medicine man, or you've got tribal leaders, or if you go over to cultures which retain a lot of their magical practices, go to China and that sort of thing, everyone there, they know how to work with their ancestors. They have their, their shrines and they have their workings and practices and stuff like that. That's that's gone in the West. You know, I think a lot of yeah. people tend to, to think of the past in the West. So you look at the Greeks and the Romans and that sort of thing as, well, you know, the people didn't know anything. The people didn't know any magic, you know, whereas... It's not like that. Nowadays, we have the perspective that most mundanes know nothing about magic. And some would say a lot of professionals know nothing about magic. But back then, everyone knew a little bit. And it was only really for very yeah. specific um, services that people would specialize in, normally under some kind of temple complex, I suppose. I mean, you're the one with the... <laughs> <laughs> the expert in classics. Classical but... education. Yes. Am I wrong? <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, but the same the same is with all things, I guess. You could go easily go on a rant about universities, etc., or colleges um, and schooling and say how different it is from then till now. And the... the any, on any of those, you they're taken for granted. But um, to kind of get back kind of more on topic I suppose it's just I suppose we were expecting to find a different level of um, practitioner about when we 
decided that it was a great idea to go into the industry thinking and what we've actually found um, and why we've had to kind of felt the need I suppose to fill such a huge gap that we weren't expecting it to be anywhere near this big um, is due to the kind of lack of knowledge that seems to be out there even in the age of the internet yeah again you know if you go and find the secret societies and the the covens and the um solitary practitioners that are out there that do hold real practice and there are like you say there are plenty of those out there they're just much harder to find um not just because they keep their practice secret but also because of the ways they communicate with the rest of the world is that unfair to say? No, I don't think so. I mean, I suppose we should put it into a little bit of context in that obviously many people on the podcast won't know a lot about us, but we are essentially, obviously, we're professional witches, so we make a living um, through practicing magic, teaching others, and people come to us because of our reputations um, for us to use magic to solve their problems essentially so we are kind of like we're professional witches i suppose or cunning folk is what a lot of people would lump us into that category of even though we don't necessarily just work with the christian pantheon and christian magic like cunning folk often did but the problem is is that we understand and we understand when we were practicing or we first started doing this um that Everyday clients might not know a lot about magic, which is why they come to us. But actually mixing with other professionals, the, the standard of quality of practitioner was so low. You know? And it's to the point that even today, like 50% of our clients that get into sticky situations are supposed to be professionals. Oh. They're the professional psychics and healers yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's like, well... You know, you're supposed to be a professional. How how is it that you don't know this, or how is it that your practice is this bad that you don't understand? I mean, I don't know. Should we go into <laughs> should we go into more specifics? I think that's what the people want to know. <laughs> more than likely, but yeah, I just I think it goes back to exactly what you said, which is that there is no traditional schooling for it. You know, if you were in the ancient world, if you wanted to become a soothsayer, you'd go and find a cult who would teach you how to do that. And by that, I don't mean kind of suicide yeah. cult. I'm, you know, in the uh, in the American standard, I kind of mean um, the true sense of, a, like you say, a religious precinct devoted to a particular god or pantheon um, that allowed you to go and go. I want to be schooled in this teach me everything you know teach me your mistress the mystery Whereas schools nowadays, the mystery schools of course yeah. the universities of the ancient world as they say <laughs> yeah whereas nowadays like you go you know the, the easiest way to go and enroll yourself on one of these um learn to be psychic uh, sorry to we may as well stick with that topic for a little bit because that'll probably make It'll have the most grounding for those that aren't particularly aware of magic in the way we're yeah. talking. But, you know, um, the amount of psychics, most of the majority of the psychics I've ever met have been trained in spiritualist churches. Now, to me, the concept of somebody purely learning their craft 
from a system like that would explain why they do not have the grounding that they should have and that's the you know the biggest problems that we have with clients that from that ilk are and they're not all necessarily from the spiritualist church i'm just giving that as a really good example because so many of them are um where they they they're never taught how to ground properly or how to exchange energies properly they know they have an innate talent or a natural ability and then it's gone they've gone to somewhere to foster it and then they've got better at their craft but they're missing the fact what we would consider fundamentals well i would i would go further to be honest with you and i would say that the majority of the professional psychics that you see are people with uh, natural talent towards psychic arts but they've never been trained or probably have rarely been trained and if they have they've been trained by some idiot to the point where they don't push past the talents that they already have you know it's like someone that's good at running but then they've not gone through the extent of training that a professional marathon mar runner would go to or an olympic standard runner would yeah. go to and and like the approach we take is we refuse to take anyone on that just wants to learn psychic development we do psychic development classes and stuff but you need to understand before you go into that world and before you start interacting with those things you need to understand magic in general you need a firm foundation in magic and you don't see that with psychics even the ones that are particularly good they're very passive people and you see things attached to them that use them for their own uses. I mean, like, look at certain angel readers and stuff like that, which have no, you know, they've not worked with angels or anything like that to a really any kind of degree. They're just receiving messages and they get themselves into- From something they call yeah, an they, they May not necessarily they be get one. It depends on where they get themselves they're... into trouble. And if they're getting themselves into trouble, what the heck are they doing for some of the clients they meet? I mean, when I used to help do yeah. um, paranormal investigations and stuff like that, I, I can't abide it nowadays. I can't cope with it. Um, it frustrates me. But you'd have psychics that go in that are supposed to be speaking to spirits and stuff like that. Well, we used to take we used to take the mick out of them. We used to cause all sorts of trouble because obviously we understand magic and transmutation and the creation of spirits and egregores and things like that. We would take some random object that had nothing in it in the room and we would imbue that with a force, a life force. We would create essentially a thought form or egregore. And then that psychic would then come along and we'd give it a story. So we would tell it it's a dead man called Igor and the he got upset and because all of his family died of the plague and that he then committed suicide or something like that. Not particularly nice stories, of course, because they always shock people and that's fun. But then the psychic will come along and they'll pick up on that and they'll read that energy and they'll say, oh, I've got a spirit here. His name's, his name's Igor and this happened and that happened. They can't tell. They haven't got a sophisticated enough palette to be able to understand that energy. They just... You know, and they say, like, when I used to work in construction um, as an electrician, we used to have a saying that a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. So you'd get those people yeah. which, you know, they tried to take a plug socket off the wall or a light 
lockdown because they kind of think they know how it works and then they end up electrocuting yeah. themselves. And we used to see it all the time. And I was just so shocked when we started interacting with more professionals. That, that is so, that's so much the case for, you know, the prof magical professionals nowadays, you know. And I don't, what, why is that? Why is that? I, I just don't get it. I don't know whether that's because, you know, back in the day, if we're just talking about fairly recently, so the past thousand years or so in, in Britain, which is where we live, um, you've got the cunning folk. Well, these are people renowned for our reputation. Their reputation is what they trade on. You know, they have to have enough yeah. people that go away with the spells that they've given them that have worked or getting the information that they've wanted. Okay, yes, there's a couple of charlatans, but a lot of the time they don't necessarily always last particularly, you know, very long. But nowadays, is it just because of the world we live in where anyone can just start up a website and call themselves a psychic or start on a hotline? I mean, maybe we should go into the psychic hotlines. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we're a consumer. We don't have the time. We'll have to come back to that one another time. But, you know, it's it's one of those that the Western, like you say, it's a, West, it's a Western thing. Um, the Western world is such a consumerist society that it will go based on branding. So if you've got one psychic that's not particularly any good, better than another psychic, but knows how to market themselves, they're the ones that are more likely to get the people, which is why I've always said, I will not, um, I will not recommend a psychic I haven't seen yeah. myself. Um, and, and it's, you know, it is that trust thing of, I won't go, well, actually, I, I don't know a psychic in this area, so you'd have to go. But you can speak to my, my friend Mark, and Mark will tell me, tell you the ones he's seen. Um, word of mouth isn't how people find people anymore. And that's, I think, is what is so dangerous about kind of the modern age and new age practice. Um, and, you know... I didn't say the W word. I didn't say the you W didn't word. Say the W um, word, and I am most impressed with your restraint at that. It really hurt me <laughs> to not say the W word, but I didn't say the W word. Um, so yeah, so and again with psychics and all that sort of thing, and you know, um, let's not go beating on the <laughs> dolphin healing practices <laughs> and things like that. We can add that into the psychic hotline okay. one. We'll have all to right. do one, but. Essentially, it is that. It is that, you know, how do you judge one from another if you yourself don't have any innate mm. ability or, like you say, a sophisticated enough palette to actually single out these people? You can only go on either how good their website is, if you're one of these people that are, are scared to share that, that you're interested with other friends and therefore are going alone or whatever, how do you discover this kind of world? And I suppose that's where we've tried to slip in um, and focus our energies on education, yeah. first and foremost, just because we're hoping that by giving out as much information as we can, um, that people won't get hoodwinked by these. Um, I feel like I almost want to go one step further. Is that bad? Um, and I kind of want to talk about 
ridiculously priced spells. Ooh. But is that is that cruel? No, I mean I mean this is interesting. I was talking to I can't say their name because there are some people in the No Holds Barred group, of course, which know each other from um let's say outside of the group. Yeah. <laughs> and I was talking to one particular yeah. person who we're gonna nickname Lady Poison. <laughs> Chris knows who I'm talking about, but Lady Poison and I were, were, were basically having this discussion earlier today, actually, about um, people that charge for spells and stuff like that. And, you know, I, to a certain extent, was trying to defend some people because I understand from the perspective that from the way we work, we take the client's budget and the way they want to work. And then we make recommendations and then they choose the approach, yeah. essentially, you know, because they're paying us for our magical knowledge, essentially, to help them help themselves. Whereas other people will set up websites yeah. whereby they'll sell a what they'll do is like I was saying to um, Lady Poison, uh, they'll say, OK, well, candle and here's a more powerful love spell candle. And here's the ultra love spell Isis candle. The love spell candles, two hundred dollars. The yeah. middle ground one is $500 and then the ultra ones are $1,000. And well, then what they'll say is people will buy, like, say, the 200 um, pound one or $200 one. Then it won't work. And then they'll say, oh, you should have got the more powerful one. That's why it didn't work. And some people, like, we've met people that are that gullible that will turn around and say, oh, yeah, yeah you're right. Maybe I need to buy the ultra one. So not only have they, you know, lost $200 or pounds or whatever currency they're in, um, but also they are then going to turn around and fork out more money for it. And I, I would say, because what I've tried to do is defend certain people, because I know in certain magical traditions, there are people, say, that live in the UK that practice something like Paolo Mayombe or something like that, a, a serious religious practice with a lot of magic involved with it, that it yeah. does cost them a lot of money to import certain precious resins, oils, herbs and stuff from their native country. You know, so it does cost money to put on rituals and things like yes. that. But so I can kind of understand from that perspective. I mean, me personally, I would say to the clients, Yes, I, I say you should adapt the practice and you should work with what's what you've got in front of you. Um, but then it depends because some people don't have that knowledge to work outside of a system. I mean, cis magical systems are good in that they should, if you've got a true magical system, it's supposed to train you to the point where you can stand on your own two feet and you don't need anyone anymore. What bad magical systems do is they train you a little bit and then they leave you being reliant on someone giving you the next step because they haven't taught you in such a way that you truly understand what's going on. I mean, look at all of social media and videos and courses. How many of them say, well, they were going to learn a love spell today and you need this ingredient, that ingredient, that ingredient. And how many of them actually tell you why you need that ingredient? How many people will say, okay, we're going to deconstruct this ritual and we're going to say, we're not going to do this way. We're going to find another approach for it or you know that sort of thing they're just not there is kind of copy and paste cookie cutter i can only repeat myself and copy the other person and, and hope it works to a certain extent and it's it really is um shocking but i mean again we've talked i mean yeah. that's professionals there's you know professionals and stuff like that 
What about magical practice in general? I mean, some would say that that's been distinctly lacking, even the stuff that's, that's hidden underground and that. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> I think that's a whole rant on itself, isn't it? Bearing in mind how much time well, we've got left. Of course. For for the people that don't um, yeah. know with the No Holds Our Bard Witchcraft podcast, what we tend to do from this point, you know, onwards is the fact that we are a little sneaky in that we'll take this episode and of course those bits that don't make it in and that we end up going off on tangents and stuff like that and going on, you know, they're normally thirty minutes, these podcasts, but we then stick these on our um Thoth Witchcraft Patreon. So if you are, you know, a member of the Thoth Witchcraft Patreon group, I mean, it only costs three pounds, three pounds a month, something like that, to get the whole archive of these podcasts and other things that we do. That basically we created it to be honest with you, because it is not only good to support us and help with the income, but a lot of the the free content that we put out there, content. Uh, that goes on things like YouTube and Facebook, you know, you have to conform to their rules. And witchcraft today is more accepted than it's ever been. But it still not isn't entirely, you know, there's some things you can't say and talk about, you know, a payment war and a, a, or that would be our equivalent of our mystery score, at least online, you know, that we can take people, we yeah. can discuss more complicated things. But yeah, essentially we will be continuing this conversation and sticking it on the Patreon. <laughs> but I know that for, for many people, 30 minutes isn't a lot and it's really difficult to talk for, well, to confine ourselves to 30 minutes when talking about something like that. But I'm pretty sure that by this point, we will have finished the episode so if you're currently listening to us now you would be <laughs> on the patreon so hello and welcome to the patreon <laughs> but yeah again this does act uh, act as a kind of a whole nother thing because given that you're essentially you probably either know us or you're a part of our secret thoth witchcraft patreon mystery school membership that maybe we should be given a little bit more information about some of these stories that we probably shouldn't have been putting out there. So, <laughs> what some horror stories that we've had <laughs> recently then from people that we've met in the magical community? <laughs> oh, wow, I suppose, where, where do you want to I start? I think, is, right, because my favourite story, um, the one, that, I mean, there's lots of iconic ones where people that have come for our consultations and stuff like that, especially when we've done psychic fairs and done consultations on psychic fairs, but there's one that sticks in my mind, and that was one which we did in Bristol um, for a big, big psychic fair in Bristol, and that was a ceremonial magician. Um, I don't know if you remember him, and I think... <laughs> <laughs> I think the strange thing was right. that's exactly is the it, one I was thinking I think of. it's because it sums up a lot of the problems. So here you have someone that knows a little <laughs> bit with a Western, who's, who's a Western, you know, is an English guy, British guy, who has a certain sense of self-entitlement. And you believe a lot of, some people believe all this new age crap about everything that works with you, all these spirits and all these sort of things only have your best intentions at heart and, you know, all this sort of thing. And that if I'm really a true seeker, then everyone should just 
all these mystery schools and all these private covenants who just open their doors to me. So he went to uh, basically down yes. south in America. We probably shouldn't say his name or anything, but he uh, he happened across. I think it was a group of um, Haitian voodoo. Uh, you know, I think it was Haitian voodoo from what I remember, or something along that lines. It was in New Orleans, wasn't it? Um, but they were. They were yeah, some, some kind of... they were practicing some form of voodoo, and I don't think that it wasn't that stereotypical New Orleans voodoo, but they were a private coven, and essentially he no. wanted access because it was a private coven, and they were able to do some pretty cool things from his perspective, I'm sure, that he decided, oh, if I can get in yeah. with them, they'll teach me all of their secrets, because that's the Western thing, that's the Western tourist thing. Oh, I know, I'll get a package holiday and go to India and find all of the secrets of the yogis and the secrets of all of these things, when in, in reality, no, that's not going to happen. People will not divulge their secrets. But what you will get is you will get people that take advantage of you. So this group, decided essentially that okay we'll do a little ritual and of course they didn't do the ritual in english they... <laughs> so this guy had no clue what yeah. was going or any language, or any language he understood, he understood. So this guy um didn't understand what what he was doing and he was kind of a rocky kind of a guy you know into the kind of the dark rocks the left hand path so say that sort of thing and and what they actually ended up doing was getting him to agree to um, being the sacrifice, essentially. So the payment for working with, you know, a specific deity, which is one that I, you know, we've worked with before for some events and things, and you know, I've got quite a good relationship with. Um, but they basically said, you know, because this deity is not really a black and white kind of deity. It's a case of they'll just do what you ask them to do if you're willing to pay the price, you know. So... They essentially thought, okay, we want something. We'll offer this person as a willing sacrifice to you, um, Lady Death, and we will, um, yeah. And then he basically just agrees in English because, of course, he had no idea what's going on. And then what happens? The deity she starts then feeding on him, and he can't quite get into his head how this has happened. So he's gone to, I think, quite a few professionals, didn't he say? He went to quite a few professionals which weren't way. able to actually fix the problem to the point where i think it was was it a group of spanish witches or mexican witches it was either spanish or mexican mexican, mexican yeah it I would have made have sense given the mexican. deity we're talking about but um yeah so so <laughs> stop seeing these spanish witches uh, these mexican witches which i'm sure charged them a pretty penny also to do this full-on um, stripping down in a healing ritual, they had to cut his clothes off, and you know it was a full-on experience and stuff like that. And even that didn't fix the problem. So, and all it took was, you know, it took no, the fact that he needed to admit the fact that he was an idiot and show some respect, and not be the idiot tourist that goes yeah. around expecting. Because I think that that's, that's a big problem, isn't it, in the West? I mean, how many people do you meet that, that go... I mean, I don't want to use a cliche, but think of the gap year students that go off to India and stuff like that. They'll spend a year practicing yoga, which they could have learned in the UK, and then suddenly think that they've found enlightenment. Um, <laughs> oh. 
Or because they think they found the tree. Yeah, exactly. They think because they've gone to that land so that those people aren't going to see them for what they are. Well, you know, I'm sorry to break it to those sorts of people, but that's exactly what they see you for. (laughs) Bear in mind that they're taught by people, they're taught by people that have mastered their language rather than, you know, these aren't, these are gap year students that are experiencing these in English. Therefore, but yet are un, unable to accept that essentially, surely the concept has been um, watered down in order for you to be able to explain it in a tongue that is not your native to a group of people that cannot possibly understand your culture, either even in a well, year. Well, yeah, I mean, it all... To then take it home and come away feeling like... It also like the... comes down to, I suppose, that word that gets tossed around a lot especially with some of the people we know, gatekeeping. So is keeping, supposedly being accused of yeah. keeping magic away from others and keeping the secrets to yourself. And I have some sympathy for this because there are, of course, people that go down that kind of path of the pyramid of, you know, they want all of the knowledge and they want to keep it from everyone else so that they can rule, you know, whereas... There's a difference between that and being literally physically unable to explain concepts to because you're not at that level of practice that you understand. I mean, there are loads of things you can go through, you know, go through any place where there's been practicing magicians um, that have, you know, put their work out there for all to see, but that no one can actually see it. Many have eyes, but do not see. I think that's an Einstein quote, in fact. But go to the pyramids. You know, you can go in these pyramids nowadays. They're not all sealed up. And look, how many people actually understand what's written on the walls? How many people understand uh, mummification even and things like that? Well, the adept does understand that because they can see the signs. They understand what's going on there, the energy in place. But you can't really explain that to people no, it's gatekeeping is one of those they, things that is people don't people don't want to work for it. They want it to be given to them. But you know, we try and give, don't we? We try and give as much as we possibly can away. But it's not the fact that we're trying not to give it away. It's the fact that we physically can't. It's not possible. Some things are only known by people that actually know them and have experienced them and understand them. And you do that through actual magical work, which is a, a, something that people don't do, of course. <laughs> if you really, really want to learn the mysteries, you've got to put the work in. But again, is that literally, is that a modern thing or is that a Western thing? Because, I mean... There, of course, you're always, you know, it's human nature to want to, you know, pick a fast track and stuff like that. But when you look, when you look no, at the, the attitude, um, and not just in magic, I mean, look in general, that's why I say Western culture. I mean, look at the people that, um, you know, the... Why would they clean well, when they can yeah. buy a cleaner? I, I mean, Western culture, I mean, I, I don't see this so much abroad you see so i see more of an appreciation for work that's been put in and i know that we used to have that but i don't know whether i don't want to say the kids these days because it's not like it's the kids it's the whole past (laughs) several generations it's not it's not a new new concept. concept i mean take the 
I just think it's been heightened by the fact that yeah. we live in a digital age now where we're used yeah. to having everything instantly. And I think that's just kind of pushed it to the nth degree. It's always been a case. I think it's a it's a post-colonisation thing. I think it's post-empire um, that the, the Western world expects certain things to be handed to them because their ancestors earned it. Not because they did, because their ancestors earned it. And I suppose they're not used to, in other aspects of life, being told, well, no, you have to work with it, for it, because you can always buy it off. It's a, normally it's a case of what the price you're willing to pay financially, whereas really with magical practice and stuff, it's the price you're willing to pay commitment-wise a lot of the time, and how much effort you're willing to put in. Blood, sweat know. and tears. <laughs> people people often forget that but what, what about some other ones that we've seen then so what's one of your favorites because I, I may have um beaten you to that one <laughs> yeah you beat me to that one it's difficult because there there are so many there are ones there i want so to many. talk about and there's ones whether or not <laughs> there are ones i want to talk about and then there's ones that are kind of like one you've got to go through the filter of i think Ones that might uh, we haven't find mentioned this podcast names. and might be upset. Yeah, but might be upset by the fact that we... Are you talking the about the segment, Ritual? Um, <laughs> you are, aren't you? <laughs> you see? I'm trying not to go there. We well, may not I'm be in the same room, to go but there. we're on the same wavelength. Um, yeah. So, I, I don't know. I just, I think there's... There's a few like that, aren't there, where you've got practitioners, again, um, and not just practitioners, professionals, or at least self self-proclaimed professionals, um, who think because, like they say, they've been on a number of courses, and they were taught by such and such a person, and they spend all this time in native places, that therefore they have a better understanding than somebody else, and are actually qualified to teach. Like, we constantly question ourselves. Bearing in mind, we have a wealth of knowledge way beyond the average. And we have to defend um, our, our, our points and as well, not... don't we? Because we'll meet a lot of people that don't necessarily agree with yeah. our points, but we have to defend them. But, you know, you have those that want to practice. And, you know, you want to applaud them for the fact that they are at least yeah. trying. I'm, I'm questioning using that word now. Because to a certain extent for us, they're still not putting that blood, sweat and tear in uh, to the level that they probably should be. And I think what's heartbreaking for us is the fact that some of these have such potential. Um, because they already have that innate ability. If only they would push it and nurture it. Um, you could have some incredible practitioners out there. And they're already yeah. in a position where they've got brands and they've got followers. And actually... They could really, really be teaching them something really special. Um, but then I think there's always going to be that balance, isn't there? A lot of these people, it becomes their, it's their main income. Um, we still have the luxury of, yeah. we have our own incomes beyond that. And therefore, if we want to spend six months teaching people for next to nothing, we can. Um, because we earn enough in order to not have to do that. But... Whereas these people that have given up their kind of traditional setting to make this their full-time job, um, 
I can imagine that gets tough when you think that, oh, that's my bottom line. I've got to be bringing out this. I've got to be bringing out this. Um, what's new? What's, what's everybody currently looking at? Oh, Seth Met Rituals. Fucking Seth Met Reiki, whatever it was called. Mm, um, I don't know. I think you're being to too be nice. Brought... And the reason I say that is because if you're talking about the Seth Met Ritual, what you're talking about is you're talking about two people that actually believe their own spiel, right? So there are the people which own, you know, yeah. witchcraft, so say witchcraft shops and things like that, which, oh, hoodoo's in fashion. Bear ordering some of those hoodoo candles. Oh, Celtic is in fashion. Get bear, get some Celtic jewelry. And then there's the people that think that they really do understand and that they mix, mix with things that they really haven't yeah. got the slightest idea. And then if they're lucky, nothing will happen. If they're unlucky, you know, <laughs> perhaps that might come after them. <laughs> yeah. And like I say, beyond that, we can't say much because still technically they're still... Well, of course, we don't clients. name... It is, it's so rude, it's rude to name far. names and it's rude to give enough details, you know, that people can research these things because we haven't named any names and that. But it's important that we use real life examples, I think, to illustrate points. And there are so many points that we can <laughs> we can yeah. illustrate with some of the people. Um, you know, if you do come to us for a yeah. consultation, we always keep, you know, your name out of anything, but we will use examples for, for teaching essentially. Yeah, of the which you should be thankful for because you. you should look at it in terms of your mistakes will save other people's mistakes and vice versa, that you may gain knowledge, you know, and we may gain knowledge from other people's mistakes. That's a wonderful thing that's underestimated, I think, by some more <laughs> than others. No, 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 that is fair. And like like I said, it's it's the main reason we do this is for the education part and um, you know because we want people to be better at what they do like you know for us I suppose I suppose for us compared to some of the other traditional witches that are a lot more secretive than we are are down to the fact um, you know I suppose that's why we're a little bit more comfortable with sharing information not just because we, we're not bound to some tradition that says we have to. Um, it's also the fact that kind of like, for us, it's a constant exploration. Every new person we meet or every new is an opportunity to learn more about either people or their practice, um, which yeah. keeps it ever exciting for us. Whereas some people don't want that, do they? They just want to get to the very best of what they do. Um, well, and I suppose yeah, that's why different clients you know, you as well at up. the end of the day. I mean, we've got the people which come to some of these events that we do for beginners that are just looking to pass the afternoon. We've got the tourist kind of people. Then we've got mundane people that are looking for some magic. They're not interested in studying it. They just want to to screw over their ex-husband and curse him or they just want a money spell or something like that. So they're looking for actual magic, real magic. And not entertainment they want to fix a problem but they're only interested in fixing that problem they're not dedicated to learning the craft and then of course you've got the seekers the people that are coming because they want to learn and that is the problem 
It's the problem that frustrates us, I think, is that they we want to push them as far as they can physically actually go. Whereas there's always that block of they're not prepared to go any further or they're uncomfortable or they, they let themselves down. Yeah. That's the thing, because they don't push themselves enough. Now, a certain person, um, we'll call him Quinius Totalis, although that's not his name, um, he makes a good point sometimes, because um, he, he is one of the people that goes to a moot that I go to, a pagan moot or a magical moot, basically a meeting of witches in secret. We meet in a secret room above a pub. Yes, we really do. Um, and he says about, well, you know, it's not about the modern day of the culture of, well, you get a certificate for just taking part or you get points for effort. And that really, when it comes to magical practice, and especially magical yeah. practice from back in the day, you only get the initiation if you succeed. You only get it if you pass the trials. You only get it if you're capable of doing it. And it doesn't matter how much effort you put in. If you don't make the grade, you don't make the grade. Now, he's considered to have quite a harsh view. And I think that we would both go to the point where... You know, you really stop going forwards when you give up and don't practice at all. You know, you might not become a super powerful rich yeah. and understand, you know, complex things um, overnight. But it's really the point in which you'd give up and you stop trying. And that's when you've really failed. You know, we've seen people that take a lot of effort that keep coming back and back and back and back and back and, and still don't progress any further, mainly because they're not listening. But... <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things, isn't it? But, um, you know, it's the point that you've got to keep pushing forward and keep pushing yourself as well. A lot of people get comfortable in their paradigm and you only achieve greater knowledge when you push yourself out of that paradigm and you push yourself beyond what you believe and understand to be possible. And I think that, from my perspective, is that that is the limit, what people believe is possible. They say, you know, oh, well, I couldn't possibly do this or I couldn't possibly do that or that's not possible. You know, well, we've kind of got a saying where we say, you know, don't ask if something can be done. Ask how can you do it? So it's not if something's possible, it's how you can make it possible. Um, and that's one of those things which is I think is lacking from the modern magical community. Um, and you could say was lacking from the communities back then. Um, I mean, people get comfortable. I mean, look at the Egyptians. They kind of did get a little bit too comfortable in the end, didn't they? <laughs> but, you know. Yes. Yes. But emp empires rise and fall for more, one major reason, yeah. and that tends to be complacency. Um, but, yeah, I think I think it's quite important to say that our own personal test of how how well we've served a client i take it very personally if a client comes back um and they haven't they come back with the same yeah. problem that they had the first time round and i I'm, I'm thankful to say we don't have many of those and like you said it's yeah. normally because they haven't listened but i still take it personally that I've not managed to get through to that person what they needed to achieve, what they needed to 
um, what they needed to do to achieve their goal um, or help them find the way in which they're going to achieve that goal. I think I still... <laughs> whereas, and I think that's what puts us against a lot of these people that we've met and been disappointed by in terms of other practitioners and other professionals has been that it becomes a consumable, you know, they tell you enough to oh, come the back industry. the next time. The I, next time. I mean, the psychic Whereas... industry illustrates that perfectly because I've worked with people that run psychic platforms, you know, and they are literally set up to bleed the person dry of money to the point where I've tried to approach and I've tried to, to work with clients that I've got from there and like literally say, no, this is what you need to do. We need to make this quick so that you're not spending loads of money. We're not going to ramble on. We're going to go straight there. And these are the steps that you need to take to fix this problem. And the, the one certain platform, which I won't name, turned around and said, look, you can't do that. You can't be telling people how to fix the problem. She actually said, you've got to just give them some information for them to decide themselves. And it's like, no, that's not, you know, I'm a witch, you know, that's what we do. We fix problems. That's why people come to us. They want their problems fixed. We either fix it for them or we show them how to fix it. But or then what they say is it. they say, and this certain person said, well, but, but then you won't build a client base because, you know, you know, people like their readings. They like to come back and speak to grandma or they want to come back and they want to, you know, see how this job things going and that sort of thing it's like if you fix that then they're not going to come back very often i'm like oh, you're no you're missing the point aren't yeah you know the whole point is you fix the problem so that when they come back with a different problem not the same problem they either know how to do it or just needs the confirmation that they go they know how to do it and that i don't mind so much when somebody comes back yeah. because they're kind of like i've done this then i did that i think it worked but I think it's lacking something. That person has learned enough to come back and say, something's missing and I'm not sure how to get there. Rather than someone coming back and going, I don't know what to do. Um, I did everything I was supposed to do and it's not fixed. Like, Yeah, I mean, the genuine attempt. I don't know. They've genuinely I don't know attempted and taken on board what, you're, what you've told them and what you've explained to them. That's fine. But if they've come back and done exactly the same I mean that what is what is the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result? That's what the problem is, isn't it? But yes. before we go, because we're close to an hour now on this extended podcast, I think that what you need to do is you need to pick a story to tell the listeners um, of a good one because I've <laughs> got my story that I beat you to, and then we did talk a little bit about Sekhmet, but. I think because we didn't name, mention enough details about that one, the, the audience may feel a bit cheated. I know I do. So you need to come up oh, with another story. Okay. And I won't say which one to use or anything like that, because you can pick your own. <laughs> come on, you've got a couple of minutes left. <laughs> I mean, I'm interested to see what you're oh, I just, 
I can't. The thing is, I'm at that point where I kind of feel mean, and that actually. This is called. This uh, is called. This is called no bad witchcraft, and we're talking about the problems with our magical community. I mean, come on. Notice how he's waiting for the the clock to keep going, so that you you know we might get a bit out of time. But I do the editing for these, <laughs> so I can make sure I remove a section so there's long enough for him to tell his story. So come on, tell the story. <sighs> Is no, there a your favorite story you want to hear? I, I don't. I genuinely. I don't. I don't know which one. The ones. All the ones I'm thinking about. I'm trying to think <laughs> of the positive ones, and those are the ones that I'm uh, that are filling my head at the moment. Whereas actually, you need. You need. That's a what they one. want. They want. They don't want to hear about magic going right. They want to hear about magic going wrong. Let's be fair. I don't know. Well. Oh. What a quote, pick one, what and a I'll quote, tell the story. What a, a positive one or a negative one? Oh, a no, negative a negative one. one. Um, why don't you talk about um? Why don't you talk about Bridget? Because <laughs> you know that one was coming. I've been trying to avoid that one because we like. Yeah, that well, we're not going to so mention much. the name of the person. We're just going to mention it as Bridget. I suppose. I suppose. Okay, right. Well, there are two Bridget stories we could tell, but I think I know the one you want. Um, <laughs> oh, you can tell either of them. I don't mind you tell either of them. A card. A card reader story um, is the probably the one you want. <laughs> Or do you want me to tell the? What do you want me to tell the the goddess one? I tell you what, I do not mind. You pick one. I don't mind. In fact, we can okay. even extend this past an hour, given that this is extras for you to tell both of them. Okay. Okay. So should we start? At... I'll start with a. I'll start <laughs> with the goddess one. It's fine. Okay. So we have because <laughs> she's not technically. Well, she's not my client. She might be yours one day, but she's not my client. Um, so that one is with <laughs> another one of these. Spend an inordinate amount of money on um, a goddess course. And there are lots of these about, but this particular one is for Bridget. A goddess course as in basically um, they're selling a priestess hood, aren't they? Yeah. Which I have all sorts of problems with in the first place. But that, I guess, is probably a whole rant on its own. Um, but this particular one, we've, we've probably spent the last three months during <laughs> lockdown and before. Or at least that's how long it's been for me. For you, it's been a lot longer. Um, trying to get this one piece of homework done. Where you've got a member of, uh, a member of someone who's training to be a priestess. In what is essentially a correspondence course. <laughs> I think they have some practicals, but it feels like it's a correspondence course in where that, you know, you've got to do this bit of homework where you've got to think about the goddess and write in your journal, that sort of shit. Um, do you dare to say where this correspondence <laughs> course is coming from? No, I think most people can guess, even if you're not. So think of the most magical place in inverted commas the, in the, the UK. Pagan, the pagan capital of the UK, you mean? Yeah. Um, because, of course, that's where you would have this kind of thing, surely. Because who else would teach a goddess course? The one place that has no priesthoods, ever. 
fucking. I just can't get over the amount. I can't get over the amount of money they charge for it. (laughs) But you continue with this story because we'll go off topic otherwise. Oh, yeah, we thousands of pounds wasted on shit like this in the name of a goddess that would be so pissed off to find out. I can't believe I'm. I can't believe that she's anything to do with it myself. Unless it's some kind of top. That's exactly why it is. Um, that actually yeah. it's that it's it's actually a a, a tulpa, uh, you know, a modern Wiccanite. Yeah, but they're not Wiccan, remember? They're the not Wiccan. Um, they're not, but they are following what is essentially a Wiccan version of deity devotion. It just makes absolutely no sense to me. Um. I lost my train now. Then we have someone that we know that is training to become a priestess of Bridget. That's what you're saying. In a place. Oh, yeah. I think think all I need to say is go back to... I think we go back to the... um, (laughs) And link it to the chakra system by just saying how bad this is that they use a process that involves... What was it now? Is it the five... The five flames... (laughs) The five, the five flames of Bridget, um, which are essentially <laughs> a bastardization of a bastardization of the sacra, of a chakra system that applies applies some, I imagine some fragment of a random story about Bridget that has become some kind of practice. Anyway, um, I'm uh, you know how much I love Bridget. This is really hard. <laughs> Um, so what is so you're basically saying that these people that run this course bearing in mind of course Bridget isn't the only um, deity that they run a priestesshood in so you have a group of I think it's two or three people that must clearly be priestesses of Bridget Carrigwen and who else was it um, Rhiannon Rhiannon yeah so they're all priestesses of all three of these perhaps and they run priestess courses on each of them i mean i've understood priestesses to essentially be the fact that you're fulfilling that goddess's work you know essentially you're an employee of that goddess on this earth and that exactly you cannot serve two masters let alone three but what's the okay so what's the danger here because i mean clearly she enjoys it so what is the danger Apart from upsetting The danger you. is the fact she's so... She has... She has... Again, it's one of these where they've got such potential as a practitioner. You've got someone that actually has the potential to really do some impressive things. And is be... You know... What's, I think what bugs me most with her, particularly, is the fact that she feels having spent time with the group of people that she has spent her time with real practitioners who push boundaries yeah she knows she knows enough even on the surface to kind of go why are you doing this course like why on earth are you still and i get part of it i imagine it you spent that you separated and earned that sort of money to put throw at a project like this and some people need that kind of courseworky kind of process in order to feel that they're getting their, uh, you know, they need a checklist that says, I've got to do this and then I've got to do that 
and then they're going to make me do homework and the homework's going to you know so that I can see that I'm ticking off this list and therefore I'm doing something whereas actually all she needs to do <laughs> is spend some time with Bridget the rest will come with it yeah. it didn't cost her anything other than her time and devotion in order to study that now, bearing in mind she's someone that feels that she has a particular bond with this particular goddess, and that mirrors with the other person that we were going to talk about, yeah. um, where they have an actual bond with this particular goddess, and yet they still go for the spoon-fed option of spoon-fed, really shit quality baby food, um, option of absorbing knowledge or at least some group of evil spinsters. Well, if this course that we're talking about goes on for several years, this isn't like a couple of months, and bearing in mind this person has completed a full year, and no point during an entire year has she actually started really working with Bridget. Okay, so she's been doing homework and stuff like that and learning things and making the Bridget cross and all that sort of stuff. But she's not actually started doing it. She's not done any vocation. She's not done invocation, which would be probably the most important thing, given that you're a priestess of something. But I yeah. don't know. Maybe there's something that we're missing and that the however many thousands of pounds it costs to do the course, maybe we are just missing something on it. Maybe we should send you on the Volva, the Volva course. Do you think you'd like that? The way of the vulva. No. <laughs> no. 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 I think we go with the first option and I go teach down there. Oh, I'm not sure they'd like that. So, one, it would be unbelievable for us to have a male teaching goddess worship. That would just simply blow their little, little Wiccan minds. Again, they're Sorry, not Wiccan. I know you use the term Wicca as an insult, <laughs> which, of course, it's not. There are many respected Wiccans out there in the world, apparently. Um... Apparently. <laughs> okay, can can I use the P word there, then? Pagan. Can I say pagan? Yeah, okay, then. You could use that. I mean, if you really want to should be insulting, you should say neo-pagan, but... I was going to say, I was just going to say exactly that. I was going to say, really, to be fair, there are real pagans out there. So maybe we do say neo-pagan. Okay. Okay. Because that would be true. Yeah. They really do think that they are devoted to uh, a particular energy. Um, I'm not convinced it's the actual energy, but I, I haven't been on the course. I haven't met these people. So... Oh, well, I several people that we, sure. several several practitioners that we know that have met these people and have not necessarily been on the course but studied its materials and the people that have graduated would say that it's not. <laughs> but there we yeah. go. And we have spoken to someone that is on the course and such like that, and they have, you know, explained the situation. And we've been to the place in which the... Um, the course is being taught and such. So, oh yeah, there's know. definitely no Bridget there. But, and that's, yeah. that's the thing. I don't, I can't get my head around the concept where you can call yourself a priestess, have a devoted space that is for worship, and that that place is not a seat of that deity. Mm. 
how, how can you call yourself a priestess if you are not, in its traditional sense, an attendant yeah. and keeper of a deity? Well, she hasn't completed the course yet. No, I don't mean her. I mean the people that are oh, teaching the course. Oh, you mean the, the people that are teaching Oh, wow, yeah, I never thought of it that way, given the fact that they're supposed to be... Like, how, <laughs> how on the... any any planet are they qualified to be handing out an apprenticeship, essentially, in goddess worship, and yet they are not attending? Well, they feel a connection to the goddess. I mean, I know one of them did say in the course material that... You know, um, Bridget is a lovely, kind deity, would never hurt a fly, <laughs> and, you know, it's all about <laughs> peace and love. And the, the, the stories of her being, a, a, you know, an iron lady, essentially, an <laughs> iron maiden, a strong... Um, she's a strong, independent woman, but, of course, not a violent one. She would never wield a sword or forge one. Of course um, not. You know, of course why, not. Why, why would a goddess that is also a blacksmith yeah. have ever had anything to do with battle? But there we go. I suppose we shouldn't say too much. So I will I will eschew the topic now and go towards the second story of Bridget, <laughs> which is going to be okay. told by... Second story of Bridget. <laughs> At least with the second story of Bridget, I do feel this person has an actual understanding of Bridget rather than a tulpa, potentially, of Bridget. Um, that is very true, yeah. In the fact that actually she clearly has had multiple experiences of her there. Now, for somebody... The, the for somebody that's actually met and experienced Bridget without technically asking for her, yeah. this isn't someone that devoted themselves to a deity and she turned up and doesn't this like was... deity um working with deities or deity worship or anything like no. that she's exclusively works no. with angels and it shocked her i think didn't it? and scared her a little bit which yeah. is why she came to us so do you want to well, yeah. start the story yeah. at the beginning or would that be given too much away <laughs> i think it's i'm trying to be careful as to not to okay but essentially yeah let's just say i think you've said enough it's somebody that um, clearly works with angels, is comfortable, I think is the most a point, with working in the sphere that they are in. Then has the most incredible experience of a goddess stepping in for her without even asking, or at least not consciously asking, yeah. for that help. Um, she made a, you know, <laughs> miraculous kind of level of you know intuitive magic there where some you know made a petition without realizing they were making a petition and the goddess answered like that is a true you know that's the sort of stuff that you know christians would write stories about yeah. um you know like it's it's that kind of first contact kind of experience to then have that and then for us, have what, two or three, four, five, six <laughs> consultations afterwards where they're going, sure, what should I do? What should I do? And you're kind of like, you have a better connection than than we do to somebody that wants to give you an answer. The problem with that Why are you asking is us? in consultation number six, 
and 5 and 4 and 3 and 2 and 1. We said the same thing. The problem was she didn't do it. So she kept coming back because yeah. she wanted another answer and then kept coming back because she wanted an answer. So it's a case of what you do there. You can't really do anything. We've told her to go away yeah. and do what we've said. You know, In other words, actually start working with Bridget might be a good idea. And we've explained yeah. to her ways in which she could do that. But there was too much of a fear there and an unwillingness to progress. And that fear yeah. comes essentially from her... Um, her work as a psychic because that person is one of those people that although they're a professional psychic they're at the whims of what they work with so this person does work with angels yeah. but she doesn't work with angels in a commanding way or in a way where there's right. mutual respect and working together on an issue it's a case of angels just tell me what Ask what to say and what to and do receive. and i will do it i will just do whatever you say one might say the bit of the angel, yeah. but I wouldn't because that would be rude. And however, and how how many times have we said, remember what angels are? Yeah. Command angel, don't ask. But she couldn't couldn't get past it because she's got this unwavering respect for an entity that I'm not even sure understands respect. But let that's a different topic altogether. Oh, we'll have to do we'll have to do one on that. <laughs> I hope you're keeping the checklist. Yeah. So, but yeah, between those two stories, they are polar opposites, but with the same goddess. Um, and unfortunately, with how uh, how the pagans work, neo pagans specifically, I suppose we're going to keep having these. Thankfully, Doreen Virtue has stopped writing stories about angels, so maybe it'll slow down a bit, but it'll probably just focus on something else, other trash that somebody else comes out with. Well, her students. No. We'll see. We will see. So was I rude enough? Is that what you wanted? Did did I manage to uh, tell the bad stories well enough? Well, I don't think that you're as rude as I am, but... People do say I have a potty mouth, so you know. Yeah, but also you got the best story for out first. That's so unfair. No, there are other stories. I mean, what about the snake lady? There are lots of other stories. <laughs> um, what was that? The, the snake, snake lady. Oh God! No, 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 no. That's we've not got time for that one. <laughs> we've not got we time not for that. Got time for that one. Right. I suppose that we should uh, leave it there. And thanks for listening to the extended edition of this No Holds Barred Witchcraft podcast.